Hi, my name's Brian, and like most of you, I'm staying at home during the pandemic. To pass the time, I decided to get some of my friends on the record about what they're cooking, how they're doing, and anything else that might be on their minds. Join me on What's Eating You. In today's episode, we're trying something new. I'm calling it a two-for-one, as I'm joined in the line by good friends of mine, as well as one another, Mary and Kristen. These two have known each other for a long time, and it shows. In this convo, which is not unlike a game of three-dimensional chess, we explore their long-standing musical tastes, from Britpop and punk to boy bands and Bowie. We'll wind our way to the Windy City's Willis Tower and crown the king of fake meat. Hope you're ready for this triple dose of What's Eating You. Trying something new, a two for one, <laughs> um, talking to my friends Kristen and Mary at the same time. Well, not at the same time because you won't be able to understand everyone cross talking, but we're going to try the three of us having a discussion this time, which should be interesting. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll try not to talk over each other. I was going to say, speaking of talking over one another. <laughs> yeah, well, you guys normally do. Again, because you guys have known each other for so long, maybe we'll start with. Um, with you, Kristen, um, and I guess we met, um, well, perhaps unintentionally, when I was an undergraduate, so that would be a decade and a half ago, but I guess when I returned to uh, the university as a place of work, we reconnected because our offices were, I don't know, stones throw away, if you have a good arm. You have a good arm, actually, Kristen, has an amazing, amazing, powerful outfield arm, so it would be no trouble for you to hit my office, but... <laughs> That Mary and true. you two, I guess, were feet away, meters away from one another in the, in the old office. Yeah, maybe, maybe not even, yeah, maybe a foot. <laughs> so not socially distanced. You couldn't our have... walls connected, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, we were a little bit further away just because of where our desks were, but uh, we, we could literally talk to each other yeah. over our little wall, so <laughs> we were very close. That's right, and, and Mary, I've also known you. About as long. I remember how we um, remet. You love bringing this up, Brian. <laughs> well, because it was what I guess it wasn't actually the first time I guess that you'd known who I was. But when uh, what was it? I came back to help um, coordinate my my classes reunion, and there was a little pre pre event mixer in the garden outside yep. of your building, and you introduced yourself to me. Yeah. I, you know, you'll never forget it, right? I saw your name and I was like, oh my gosh, I know that guy's name. He, he was roommates with our student worker when, you know, when he was an undergrad. So yes, I did bring that up and you have never forgotten it. Yeah, because the way in which you deduced and remembered, I, this is actually <laughs> in some ways impressive because it was five years later, but you, I guess, came up to me. I feel like maybe you didn't actually tap me, but you definitely got my attention. Like a <laughs> tap on the shoulder and I'm like, oh, hello. And you said, I'm Mary. I know who you are. You were in a Facebook relationship with our student worker. And I said, yes, he was my roommate. But that wasn't an option on Facebook at the time. Yeah, it was Facebook. in a relationship with. So, yeah. Exactly. Because we did have, in fact, a, 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 um, a, a domicile relationship. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> but you did that with Kristen, right? You and Kristen not only were co-workers, you yes. were co-roommates, right? Yeah, up until very recently. So, 
<laughs> how many years did you guys, I guess, how many years have you guys known each other, maybe? Because that's even longer. Um, I guess about 13 now. Whenever I moved back, or whenever I moved to the East Coast, so in 2007, so almost 13 years. It was wow. Yeah, because Mary, Mary started at Princeton pretty much as soon as she got here. She, You had like one temp job or something before that, and then uh, started at Princeton. So we, we were friends pretty much instantly. Yeah. You know. I was going to say, what's your guys' origin story? I actually don't think I've ever heard this. We, well, so um, I don't know. I don't think you ever met uh, Karen, but she um, she had been in that position and she left uh, to get another job. And um, it was open as a temp position for a while. And Mary ended up taking the position and we bonded over music, actually. Well, I will say that when I first started, Christian was on vacation in Miami and an alum wanted to use my desk because she was there visiting or whatever. So I ended up having to sit in Kristen's desk. So I was semi-familiar with what she looked like. She had some pictures up and- <laughs> You were in her here. space, just like yeah, looking had, around her house. <laughs> it was very awkward, right? And then when, when she came back, she was like, was somebody sitting at my desk? I was like, it was me. But then we ended up getting along really well, like immediately, so. <laughs> I do have I, I do have a little bit of a bitch face, so she probably thought I didn't like her to start, but you know, then we we started talking about music. I, I said something about my music, let me know if my music's too loud because not everybody likes what I listen to. And she's like, I like this. I don't even remember what it was that we were listening to, but, um, but yeah. yeah, so music, universal language. Exactly. Something I do enjoy about you separately and I guess together. You're not a, you're not a unit. It, in fact, you're even on separate Zoom feeds, which is which is fun <laughs> because I, it'll be easier to, to audio edit later. You know, identifying with you, you both a certain genre and also period of time in which you know very much um, the Pretty in Pink era, right? So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the musical stylings, I guess some that sort of British new wave. Exactly, I was going to say new wave, and and even then, it's some of its antecedents, right? Because you are yeah. both, for example, I happen to know you are both large as am I, um, but not as large as you, David Bowie fans. Yes. And, yes. and, and Bowie's career spans, what, six decades? Yep, yep. He was sort of the precursor for, for me growing up. You know, he was always played in my house. And so that was that was something that early on I got really into. And then, yeah, everything that sort of followed after that. Yeah, and I would say a precursor to New Wave for me would have been Talking Heads because um, hmm. I, uh, my parents weren't really into David Bowie, so I didn't find Bowie until later. Um, but Talking Heads were played in my house, so sort of that experimental sound uh, led me that direction. So. And would you say that that's sort of like the core of your, even now, your musical sort of interests and stylings, those, those home memories? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. My father was, is still, but was super into music and everything I know from those from those er eras, from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all came from my father. Like he would bring home Same. music and he'd be like, you got to listen to this album. And then, you know, I would get really into it. And then so he and I bonded over music early on too. And we still do. We talk about music all the time. My dad's 71 almost. And yeah, so it's kind of cool. We have this appreciation for music. And Kristen, you same thing? Yeah, definitely, definitely the same. My dad uh, had me listen to a bunch of different things when I was growing up from, um, you know, Bessie Smith to um, Leon Redbone uh, mm -hmm. to Tom Petty, Talking Heads, uh, you know, just all over the map, um, just different 
types of music. And I feel like that kind of gave me the opportunity to sort of explore once it became my own thing and it wasn't just my dad's music. So. Sorry, that's another interesting question. I know, again, when, we, when the streams of Kristen and Mary rejoin, there's a, there's a continuation of this interesting musical story. I want to hear a little bit, I guess, maybe from each of you in turn, after you left the nest, how, how did you continue to sort of shape your, your musical tastes in, in, I don't know, college or you know, early days of work? What, what was that like? Um, so before uh, before I left for college, I had started getting into um, ska and punk music. So um, and like my friends in in high school were also into it. So we were going to local shows and stuff. So when I went to college, um, I kind of like looked for that kind of um, environment to be a part of. So um, I remember when I got to college, the first show I went to was to see the Dropkick Murphys down in like the worst part of Boston. And I went by myself, made one of my best college friends on that trip down there on the train. And it was it was like the start of my college music music experience at that time. So Live show in Boston, Dropkick Murphys in Boston, right? Yeah, and I saw them a bunch of times actually in Boston um, before they were like huge, I guess, um, because one of my friends um, worked for them. So we would go a lot to see them. Um, I even got to go backstage once, which was fun. Wow. Do you, but, remember, the venue? Do you remember the venues? Where, 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 what kind of places were these? Um, most of the time it was like downtown, like Kenmore Square area, um, and some of the venues have changed hands at this point, so they're not called the same thing. There, there are also a lot of smaller venues. The Dropkick Murphys didn't play at them, but there were a lot of smaller venues I went to that were in like Kendall Square, which is like where MIT is, mm -hmm. and um, heading toward Harvard, um, a number of uh, little places over that way. So, but uh, yeah, a lot of Dropkick Murphys mostly played like on um, like right by Fenway, there's a street there that has a bunch of clubs on it and they would play there, so. But the first time I ever saw them was down in South Boston and I don't remember the name of the venue, but it was not a great area. But I was, you know, ballsy. I just got on the train and went by myself. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was like college was mostly like punk rock was most of the shows that I went to, although I did take a train by myself down to Providence to see U2 because I had never seen them and they were my like favorite growing up band that I had found on my own. So I went down to Providence by myself to go see them. Wow. And Mary, how about you? Because uh, Kristen has, has this East Coast experience. And yeah. yours? <laughs> yeah. So when I went to college, I, you know, obviously brought a lot of my musical taste with me and my roommate, I, you know, first day we met and we immediately bonded over music as well. She actually, she and I lived together for six years all through college and then after, but um, she, her, her favorite band of all time was U2. And so we bonded over that and she loved NXS and Depeche Mode and all of the, a lot of the same music I did. And so we would go to a lot of shows together and, and, you know, obviously San Francisco was big music, music town shows constantly. So our first show together was Radiohead, um, OK Computer Tour. Wow. Uh, yeah. Went to a ton of shows. Um, and then I had some friends who were really into like Bay area underground hip hop, 
which Brian, I'm sure you're familiar with, but Living Legends, uh, Mystic Journeyman, that kind of stuff. And so I kind of got into listening to a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, so I would go to a lot of actual hip hop shows with some of my friends, which was um, something that I definitely didn't do when I was growing up, but also a very sort of cool, different vibe altogether. Um, so that's definitely a, a genre of music. I mean, I grew up with, you know, Dr. Dre and NWA and Snoop Dogg and all that stuff. But um, moving to Northern California was like a totally different vibe up there. So, so yeah, it was, it was interesting. So I still had a lot of my new wave sort of Brit pop stuff that I would go see. And then I had this other group of friends that we would go see the roots and, you know, the far side and that kind of stuff. I like that. I will say you say I grew up with Dr. Dre and you yeah talking less as neighbors and you know high school classmates and more as like you're from southern california right so that was the predominant that was in the rise at that time yeah yeah so, i mean i just want to make sure if you if you were growing up with them i want to know that, that that's important yeah 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 i mean i would should say like they became popular and i got to know them when i was sort of in my tweens i guess so mm-hmm. you know so i shouldn't say like oh i was five years old and i was listening to dr Drake. so I, you know that's um, inappropriate <laughs> Yeah, but like the, the early '90s, that's sort of when it. Probably '80s, early '90s. That's kind. I of, remember. I remember that time too. Um, it obviously took a little bit longer to get to the East Coast, as things do. But um, I do remember when they became popular on the East Coast. It was like a new, new sound for yeah. for us, which was awesome. I think that sounds like a more interesting way to hear something come alive than, uh, for example, being in that in that age when it was Backstreet Boys. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I envy you that a little bit. That was very popular my freshman year of college. And I just did not understand that whole thing. Like Backstreet Boys, sync, Britney Spears, I think her Hit Me Baby One More Time came out my freshman year of college. I was just like, what is this garbage? So, yeah, I have to say I was I was never a boy band fan, even when we were kids and new kids on the block were a thing. I hated them so much and everybody was so into them. And I was like, why? Who who are these guys? Why do you think this is good? I mean, I will say I had I had a few boy bands that I liked, like I like boys to men. Oh, boys to men. Yeah. I mean, they're. I can't even, I feel like they can't, they can't even be called a boy band. I mean, they they're are not really, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I feel like I have to qualify that in the sense because it was a group of men that mostly were vocal artists. So I'm trying to think though, because you're right before New Kids on the Block though, uh, what would you say? New edition, maybe like there wasn't yeah, that, the new that, yeah. that thing. Didn't really, it, yeah. But, it, but boy band wasn't really a thing until mid later in the 90s. Yeah. It was sort of manufactured. I mean, you know, because there was like the Beatles who were, you know, sort of right, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And, but the difference know, with the Beatles is they like, yes, they were sort of a boy band, but they all played music. Like they weren't just vocalists. Like they actually knew how to play instruments. Whereas like InSync and Backstreet Boys, none of them play instruments. They all just sing. Like they mm-hmm. don't, they, they have no talent whatsoever. Yeah, they dance. Justin Timberlake actually is extremely he, he actually does. Yeah, he does. But I just like, in general, I feel like those people were gathered together for looks or, you know, to, mm-hmm. to sell to sell something, basically. I they never were, thought they were a marketing construct. Kind of. Like they yeah. were like the Pussycat Dolls, basically. Who, right, exactly. Who they now, in fact, rotate them. Like you, there are people coming and going who you don't even know. Wow. What? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I really barely know anything about the Pussycat Dolls other than that they exist. Um, I think they're just, they're they famously like a 
front it. I mean, one of the artists is um, Nicole something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they're they're like a sexy girl band. That's all. Or like, I, and they're not even really a band because they don't play instruments. They're just they're just sexy yeah. ladies that dance. Exactly. They, they have a dance routine and and hits top forty hits that you, that people know. I don't know them anymore, but you know. Yeah. But that's interesting. That's interesting evolution there, like you said, a, a good distinction on the Beatles and and really, like you said, musicians, which makes sense because what well, people just swoon over, you know. I guess the Who and the Stones and right, this sort of all that. Yeah. yeah, this era of of artists. But you're right. In the '90s, it it shifted a lot and became more sort of like the, the mass produced pop tune. And then you just needed a vehicle yeah. to be, to stand up for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like. I think I got. There was a point in time where I was just like, this doesn't feel like music to me. It has no soul. It's just like. I don't even know why it exists other than maybe like because people need dancey tunes sometimes but like uh, in general I just don't in I don't feel very uh connected to pop music in general just because I feel like it's lacking something that like other types of music have. I think that's right it's very much like a processed food it's like you can eat a bag of chips and then you're still hungry later. (laughs) Yeah true. I do. I mean, I enjoy it every now and then. Like, it's fun to listen to and, you know, they, they're catchy. Fun to go to, like, you know, if you go to a party or, you know, I used to go dancing at clubs and stuff. And, like, having those, like, one-hit wonder type tunes or whatever. Poppy t- yeah, I would argue they have their place, for sure. But I'm not going to put it on my, you know, my iPhone and, like, you know, jam out to it or whatever on a daily basis. Or at least you won't, at least you won't admit it. Uh, so, I guess, drawing the line from your... your you're pre-forming your own super group, Mary and Kristen. Um, <laughs> but once you guys sort of, like you said, had that moment across the cubicle walls, connecting over the music, tell me about, I know you've taken a bunch of trips and that. tell me about some of that stuff, your, your excursions together to pursue deeper this, this love of certain music and artists and stuff. Well, I would say that, you know, obviously we share a love of music and a love of travel and just, in, you know, uh, discovering new things. And some, like one of the first trips I think we went on was a road trip um, as you know, I'm from California and I didn't do a lot of traveling throughout the country when I was living in California. Um, I did, a, you know, I'd been to a few states on the East coast before I moved out here, but I'd never done like the Northeast, like the full trip up to Maine. And so Kristen was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Let's we, you've been here for years now. Let's do this road trip. And so that was kind of like our first outing where we did this like fun road trip through all of the Northeast, um, New England kind of states. And that was fun. And then we started, you know, doing a lot more of the European stuff. And obviously, as you know, we we chose London because we'd both been there before, but The Cure was playing there. And I'd seen The Cure before many, many years ago. And Kristen, I don't know if you hadn't, right? I had not, yeah. no. And so we were like, well, let's let's go to England and go see, see The Cure. Like, that would be awesome and amazing to go see a band in a different country. And so we did that. And yeah, I mean... Oh, well, Berlin happened before that, but we didn't go see any shows there, I don't think. <laughs> no, and well, we actually decided to go to Berlin because one of our friends had moved there and we wanted to see him, but we also had never been to Berlin. So it was kind of twofold. We were going to hang with him, but then also go see a city um, that we'd not been to before. So I actually really enjoyed Berlin. It was a beautiful city, so much history. Um, 
and I would totally go back. Everybody was super friendly with us. And yeah, I made friends with an old man on the train. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't speak English, but damn, did he want to be Mary's friend. So, um, and, you know, everybody was just super, super kind. And we had a really good time despite some issues that we ran into going there but it was a great city totally would go back there yeah that was fraught with issues I have to say but we weren't uh, we weren't quite as prepared as we should have been partly because we thought we were going to rely on our friend more but he kind of bailed on us (laughs) yeah he did and then we had money problems with like our cards not working and then it was like yeah we had like a super storm happen we just got so it was like a weather problem, money issues, our friend was being a turd. So there are a lot of problems, but like at the end of the day, we had a great time. So yeah, I don't know. Oh, the day that it rained was the best <laughs> though. It was, it was equally awful <laughs> and equally good. Um, but yeah. we went to this thing called Monster Cabinet, <laughs> which was the most German <laughs> thing we could have done. What, and what, was like, what was that? So it was this like basement that was filled with these animatronic like monster monster type things that sang and sort of danced um sounds like a german chuck e cheese (laughs) it kind of was and like the guy who led the whole thing was just so like he was like so german but like (laughs) Uh, he, I feel like he could have been like in craft work or yeah. something. He was just sort of like weirdly like German new wavey and just like funny, but like oh. weird funny. And it was just amazing. Yeah. And like, I literally, it was one of those moments where you're like, he, we could be being led to our death right now. Like it wasn't just a basement. It was like a dungeon. Like we Oh, and they outside. had, it, it was, and there was like smoke and uh, like, it was like a haunted the yeah, the lights went out at one point and we're like, we're all dying. Yeah. Everybody here is dead. I, I think uh, they made this movie called Hostel. It sounds like that's what you're watching. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, you kind of have to see it to believe it. We've got some videos and pictures, but it, I mean, it doesn't do it justice. But it was it was insane. But yeah. That I'll, was, I'll have to have you send me the best picture of that for the yeah. uh, podcast cover. <laughs> Yeah, we we definitely recommend it for anyone that's going to Germany, yeah. though. It is just, like, so oh, oddly wonderful. And we had a gift shop <laughs> at the end that had, like, T-shirts and some things. And I did buy a T-shirt that looks a little bit like a vagina after looking at it closer. So I think we decided that when we were there yeah. that it looked like a vagina. And we just didn't, we were like, it. it's so appropriate to this experience, though. I'll have to take a picture of it for you, Brian. <laughs> Impossible to describe. This is incredible. <laughs> So I, I don't want to be too heavy handed, but it's funny you talk about, it's just, you just brought up that you went to Berlin and like you said, because you wanted to visit a friend, but again, knowing you are both big Bowie fans and Bowie spent, I think, really oh. formative years in Berlin. Yeah. Um, and I know you guys also made the pilgrimage to, to see one of his museums. Yeah. He, yeah. And they had a lot of, um, oh, sorry. I was just going to say they actually had a lot of, they even had a walking tour, I think, a Bowie walking tour in Berlin. I don't think they we did. ended up doing it, but. Uh-huh. No, they had one in uh, England and in Berlin, and I don't think we ended up doing it in either location. Mm-hmm. But but you, yes, we go ahead. So I was gonna say you'd go by like the Berlin Zoo, and they'd be like, "This is where Bowie did X, Y, and Z," and you're like, "Oh, cool!" You know, like there's just random history here and there. So 
Yes. Uh, so we had heard that Bowie is was not going to be anywhere else in the United States except for in Chicago. And Mary's boss had gone to it and just said it was just so good. And we were like, why not just get on a plane and go to Chicago so that we could go see it? So we planned a whole trip and we took a long weekend and we went to the Bowie is. Um, I guess it's, it's not really a museum. It was sort of like a exhibition. Yeah. You kind of walk through different rooms and they had all his old costumes and it was fabulous. It was like it ended up in, was it Brooklyn yeah. maybe last year or the year before? And I really would have like really wanted to go again, but it just didn't end up happening, but it was just so good and so interesting. And they had so many pieces of his history. Yeah. Just like letters there. he'd written and, you know, like, papers of where he'd written lyrics and just all this cool stuff it was oh and that machine that he used to like generate his lyrics yeah. where he would put in lines and it would the machine would combine them mm-hmm. yeah and then come out with some random random sentences right yeah. exactly so but while we were there we also uh went to second city and had yeah. a seat in the front row <laughs> um which was awesome um, i was praying they weren't gonna like call me out though because that is not definitely not something I would ever want but uh, yeah. luckily luckily we, we managed to avoid getting called out right and, and Mary and I dragged each other out onto the little balcony um at the top of Willis Tower which was is Sears Tower I guess that glass um, that glass box yeah we we did it we both of us were dying but we <laughs> dragged ourselves out there so that we could say we did it and uh you know, it's how, how far onto it did Mary actually go? Like about two inches. Well, well we both got our picture taken, so enough to be in it and had our picture taken. So, I think we we both even like sat down in there. We did, yeah. Okay, I didn't know if it was like the technical. I, I would technical one one <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What's <laughs> much of your body hanging back inside, so that if it detached, you could grab it on and pull yourself back up. Or something. I do have to say, it is extremely dizzying to really be able to see so far down. Yeah, with nothing really piece of glass visible holding you up. Um, it's very hard to like stay focused. Huh? Yeah. How high exactly is it? I've actually I've never been up that, so I. Um... I don't know. I have to Google it. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I want to say it's like thirty-two I mean, stories I or something. Sure. I think they say thirty-two as well. So maybe. But if you you ride the elevator and as you're going up the elevator, it compares the height of where you are to certain objects in the world, either man-made or not. And it's uh, it's a little terrifying how fast those elevators go. <laughs> do, you, do your ears pop? Yeah, like yes. your ears pop. The whole your stomach kind of does the like whoop, you know thing. Yeah. You, you you know where that happens. I've been actually up in the. Um, the one world trade and it's very similar i guess from a although your the elevators like you said is enclosed and you're getting these readings you can feel the change as you go up yeah, yeah it's intense but uh we had a we had a good trip we yeah, like fit yeah. I, I think we fit like 10 or so things into a long weekend um we didn't sleep very much i don't know it was at one of the museums maybe it was the modern art like that voodoo sort of Oh, it was, so we went to, um, we did all of, we tried to fit all of the museums in on one day, which was really tough. So we went to the aquarium first, then we went to the Hayden Planetarium. Is it Hayden? No, that's not Hayden. 
is it? I don't remember the planetarium and then the natural history museum. And we went through the whole, they had an exhibition on voodoo um, in the history museum. And we did that. And I think there was a bug one too. Did we do the bug one that time? I don't remember. It was a whirlwind though. We did. I don't know, but we did that. We went to the pier. Yeah, exactly. We went to the zoo, um, but it was winter time. So they were doing like, it was like a Christmas that celebration. I forgot about that with all the lights and the music mm-hmm. and yeah. I think the only thing we didn't go and see was like Wrigley Field, but we could where the where the museums are. They're by the Bears Stadium, so we actually like were right by the Bears Stadium. We walked to see the Bean. We walked to see the fountain from Married with Children, <laughs> I uh, which is it's not far from the bean it's like maybe a couple blocks from the bean so we just walked to that but, it, but it's interesting as you talk about this i'm thinking of the last time i was in chicago i also did the i did the field museum the natural history museum mm-hmm. from the park and that's not a short walk either so you guys like you said spending all day doing all those sites and i'm sure it was a combination of walking and yep. but even once you're inside a museum you're probably walking how many miles just to oh, get we, through the yeah exhibit? we we did a lot of walk-ups yeah. that weekend <laughs> luckily with the um second city we were actually staying down the block from where second city and is the, near, not far from the zoo right yeah we were across the street from the zoo and then second city was about two or three blocks away from where our hotel was so all of that was sort of in the same area and we did take a cab down to where the museums are so we didn't have to walk all the way there but once you were down there everything was close and you still walked a little yeah, bit right yeah. and it was faster to walk sometimes and try to catch a cab and then sit in traffic right and so was... yeah well, that's fun stuff you, you know the price of admission on this yeah. on this program though <laughs> is hearing how how you're managing and it sounds like it, one of your I guess one of the things you've done is think about and reflect on all those fun experiences you you stored up like a bear in hibernation. But what are you doing now to sort of manage the, you know, this is the opposite of that. We can't really go anywhere. (laughs) I literally have not been like into a public place in months. Like I have not even been to a grocery store. Like it's crazy because I'm, I'm sort of high risk. So my brother-in-law or my sister, or I'll get food delivered, you know, whole foods delivers, which is great. But yeah, I literally have not been into a public place in months. So it's it's been crazy. And Chris, are you, 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 I know you moved, but. Yeah, I did move. um, And I have, I've been out a little bit more than Mary, um, just because we don't have a high risk person in this house. So I've gone to the supermarket a couple of times and to the beer store because <laughs> in Pennsylvania I don't know why this is but in Pennsylvania they have all of their stuff separated so like liquor is in one place and beer is in another place and you can't buy liquor at the supermarket but you can buy beer and wine and I'm like this is just so weird why can't you just have a liquor store and have everything there I don't know I don't understand PA laws but <clears throat> so I've been to the beer store because specifically for beer because you needed beer yeah right exactly and I don't know what else to call it because that's what they sell they sell beer and cigars (laughs) so (laughs) but mostly I've been hanging at home um and we have a pool so with the warm weather it's been it's been pretty nice to be able to go outside and just hang by the pool living large and I have a new puppy um well not so new anymore we got him in January so he's going to be seven months in next week actually he's going to be seven months so 
lots of training. I feel bad though, because I think he's like, because he's still a puppy, he thinks that this is normal, that we're just going to be home all the time. <laughs> and like when, when things change and we're able to go back to the office, he's going to be in for a rude awakening. So I'm a little, yeah, a little sad about that. When Sarah goes back or when Sarah goes to college and actually leaves, that's going to be hard. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know. She finds out tomorrow whether or not uh, Penn State is having the students come to campus or if they're going to have the semester uh, from home. And well, does she play football? Because if not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, she's pretty small, so I don't think she's she would be a great football player. But okay, okay. Um, <laughs> you never know. She could have been a kicker or something. But that's true. That's true. But no, she does not. She does not play any sports. So I don't know that she will end up on campus um my my feeling is probably not but they haven't said one way or another yet and they're yeah. they're supposed to announce it tomorrow so interesting well so what are you what are you guys cooking or having delivered then in the case of mary who i you know i know um yeah i have been do i have been doing a fair amount of delivery but um and cooking a little bit i mean you know i'm not I don't enjoy cooking. That's one of those things that I just never gotten into. It's just not something I, I find people find it relaxing or interesting. I don't. So I do it out of necessity. One thing I did actually try, I've tried a couple new things since we've been trapped. Um, I tried recreating the Coquiglia Balsamico from Teresa's. What's that? So it's my favorite dish from Teresa's. I think they just call it Balsamico now because they change out the, the pasta. But I had come across a recipe online, uh, an alum who also loves this particular, this particular recipe. So she, she tried to recreate it at home and she was like, Oh, it's amazing. It tastes just like it. So let me just tell you, it does not taste just like it. So, <laughs> so Mary, you have to send it to me because I want to try it for myself. Yeah, I, I feel like there was something missing. Like it just, it was too heavy on the cream and not enough on the balsamico. But if you added too much balsamic, it just made it more like vinegary and not, it just didn't have the right consistency. I think I think that they do a... I think I need to try a reduction on the balsamic. That's exactly what I was going to say is I think they reduce the balsamic yeah. before they mix it with the cream so that you don't get that like acidity. Yeah. It's just the sweetness from the balsamic. Yeah. So next time I recreate it, I might try to do a reduction first and then add in the cream and do the whole thing. So if you're, uh, it sounds like you're not familiar with this particular dish, Brian, but it's delicious. Yeah. Um, it is a creamy balsamic. Uh, and then they just usually use like some sort of pasta and they'll add, often it's asparagus, sometimes it's kale and then chicken, which Kristen obviously does not get, but it just, it's like this delicious combination of the sauce is just amazing. So I like the OG though, cause you have to go asparagus. The kale yeah, is just not, yeah. I, prefer, I, I actually did it with the asparagus and the chicken. Um, I tried to do, oh, and at one point they put mushrooms in it and I was like, don't you dare ruin this <laughs> lovely sauce with mushrooms. Yeah. It's all about the sauce really. But, um, so I, I'm going to try it again. We did get a recipe from our esthetician, Kristen and I have the same person that we used to go see and she had a recipe for the balsamico and I recently tracked it down. So I might try her version of the, of the sauce and see if that ends up working out better. So that's something different. Yeah, that's actually pretty elaborate. Yeah, it was definitely more more elaborate than I normally do. And I did follow the recipe to a T. And actually, I did end up adding more balsamico because 
heavy cream. It was almost, and I like creamy things, but it was actually making my stomach turn. Like it was too heavy. Yeah. So I was like, mm, something's not right here. <laughs> so um, even the color didn't look right. You know, it's like that, the color of the balsamico is very specific and this was way too light. So that's something I kind of want to try to recreate at some point. Maybe I'll give it down to a client and I won't have to spend $17 getting a half a cup of it at Teresa's. So. Seriously. <laughs> I think, yeah, once you get to the point, you're like, huh, I could service other people. Then you're in a money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So my sister's actually, I know this is not about her, but she, and as you know, Brian, I'm obsessed with the Brussels sprouts from Taqueria. And so, oh my so she has been at home trying to recreate this, like, whatever this magic is that they do to these Brussels sprouts. She hasn't quite gotten it, but I'll let you know if that, if she ever figures it out. And you are the right person to judge if those yeah. are, if they're right. Yeah, definitely. Those things are delicious. Oh I know. I'm not the only one obsessed. Like there are so many people obsessed with those things. So. Chris, how about, how about you? How are you um, managing? Hopefully it's, uh, you know, you aren't affected by the spike in meat prices. Uh, no, I'm I'm not. Although actually I am a little, I have to tell you that like the last time I went to the store, I was expecting to go into the veggie section and there being like frozen veggie food because like, you know, people don't eat frozen veggie food. I saw a meme that was like joking about how, you know, even in a crisis, people aren't eating vegetarian food. So, you know, I went to the supermarket thinking that I would just go and all of the stuff would be full and like half of the cabinet was empty. Like the frozen cabinet was like half empty because people started eating veggie food. And I'm like, don't eat my food just because you can't get your meat. Um, but yeah, so I'm actually, it's fine. I don't eat it that frequently. I was just kind of PO'd that people were eating my food when they don't normally. But I'm, I'm more of like a, I love breakfast. I've always been a breakfast fan and the benefit of not having to go into the office is, you know, I can take some extra time and actually make breakfast in the morning um, instead of just bringing like a yogurt or a, you know, oatmeal or whatever and making it in the office. So one of the things I like to make, I'm mostly on the weekends, but is uh, fried potatoes. Mm -hmm. and uh, I made those this morning. Oh, so did I. And um, <laughs> the, they are a big hit with Tim and Sarah. So I've been making those a lot. So what's your recipe for these? I'm, I'm one tips yeah, I'm now. Curious. So yeah. it's mostly eyeballing everything. And I have like, I know it should taste a certain way. And as Mary knows, I'm not ashamed to eat a raw potato. So I will taste the, the potato with the seasoning on it before it's fully cooked to see if it's <laughs> the right balance. But what I like to do as far as ingredients is I just use vegetable oil in a pan. I cut the potatoes like maybe like, quarter inch size um and i so use, you, you cube them you cube them i then. do i cube them and i use uh i like to use red potatoes um sometimes i'll use yukon gold but um definitely not russet uh because mm -hmm. those are just too too rough yeah um but red potatoes cook up nice in the oil and i do salt pepper onion powder garlic powder and a little bit of uh, chipotle uh pepper powder and it's just trying to find the right balance um, so that everything would you, you say chop up onions or garlic or anything like sometimes I do onions it depends on if we have them in the house um like there's always potatoes but there's not always onion yeah. or garlic so so a lot of the time I'll just do the potatoes but um occasionally I'll, I'll chop off some onion and those go in 
later on so that they don't get burnt. Mm -hmm. But uh, oh, I love some good burnt onions, though. Yeah, well, uh, crispy, not yeah. burnt, <laughs> though. <laughs> um, so, but I like I like making potatoes, and I've actually tried to start making um, almost like potato chip French fries in the air fryer, um, and I'm still perfecting it but it's a, a new new version of potatoes <laughs> so, you, so you have an you have an air fryer now but how I do, do you like that i love the air fryer i use it way too much wow <laughs> i probably use it like every day or every other day um wow. yeah i i even tried i tried cooking frozen asparagus in there because so what i learned from the internet is that the reason an air fryer works is it pulls the moisture uh, moisture out of whatever you have, and I find that frozen vegetables tend to be over yeah. wet. Um, so I was like, well, let me try making frozen vegetables in the air fryer. So I did that, and it actually turned out really well. It dried them out enough so that they weren't like sopping wet like normal frozen vegetables. The only difficulty is I think you have to like trying to season frozen vegetables is very difficult mm -hmm. and, but if you wait until the end it's not it doesn't taste the same so um, that's the one thing I'm I'm working on <laughs> okay this is helpful I'll, I'll say this is like the third interview I've done now where somebody has raved about the air fryer uh, yeah which is blowing my mind yeah it sounds like they're, they're so good I just love it. I like use it way too much. And because you don't have to put oil in there, um, mm -hmm. you're not like adding the extra badness to things. I mean, a lot of the time, the stuff you're sticking in there has already been like pre-fried and frozen, but at least you're not like taking a pre-fried object and then refrying it um, in a deep fryer. So, you know, it's eliminating some of the badness, but you can make things in there from that are fresh that don't have to be fried. So there's also that yeah like there's a conspiracy to get me to buy an air fryer but. yeah <laughs> well i don't know who you talk to about air fryers but i that random not, people that's the craziest thing <laughs> random people who are basically one person who's like I, we don't have a microwave but we have an air fryer and i'm like wait what it's just bizarre <laughs> yeah it is bizarre <laughs> i feel like i use a microwave All microwave way too much to not have one so exactly exactly interesting does it take up a lot of space Kristen? i don't even know how big they are I mean, it's not small. It definitely has its spot on the counter. Um, and I know some people don't leave them on the counter because they do take up a decent amount of space. Ours is like, I would say it's like a little less than a foot in each direction. And okay. it's and it's got a handle on the front that protrudes. So um, it's a little bit longer in the front. But it's essentially a cube. It's like a cube that sits on your counter. Huh. All right. Well, now we're we're both gonna be looking yes, at that. Yes, I'm like, okay, research, research on the air fryer. They're really, and it, it cooks food pretty quickly. So that's the other thing. I mean, it's not like an Instapot or anything, but it's it. You know, you can put some stuff in there, walk away for a little while, and it'll be done in like ten minutes usually. Yeah. So I like it. I will definitely advocate for people buying one because I think that they're good products. Okay. Well, I I have my eye on one that also does toaster oven stuff, so oh, that nice. would. I use my toaster oven a lot like that, so it would replace that, mm. I think, if I go that route, which I'm probably going to. <laughs> so speaking of, I know that we're kind of going off of air fryers right now, but we were talking about vegetarian food. Have I, I know Kristen probably hasn't because she doesn't like the taste of meat, but have you tried Impossible Burgers or the Beyond? 
I have, yes. Um, I'd be interested, Chris, to know if you have Chris. Like, like, I have. Um, they're not my favorite, but mm -hmm. yeah, like if if somebody was going to give me one of those or give me like a black bean burger, I would take the black bean right. burger. Like, the um, reason why like every time. vegetarian is because she doesn't like the taste of meat. So it would be like you'd be like the you're not the market for impossible burgers or. I do have to say though that like I know that everyone says they taste like meat, but I don't I think they taste like meat. I will say that I had an Impossible Burger the other day. I I went over to Cole and David's. We have like a little backyard patio barbecue, just three of us. And David made Impossible Burgers. They were so good. I thought they tasted very close to to real meat. I've also not had real meat yeah. in a very very long time. So my my recollection of what that tastes like yeah. is um, very, very muted in my brain. The last time you had it, um, you know, new addition and boys to men were kicking ass. So. <laughs> Not quite that long, but it's certainly been a while. But I was impressed. I They said that I've never had the Beyond. They said that the Impossible they thought was better than the Beyond. Um, but I, I, so I've never had the Beyond. I've only had the Impossible and I don't think the Impossible tastes quite as much oh, like meat. I mean, it looks just like raw meat, like when he brought it out, it, yep. it was, I was, I mean, apparently they're not, they're not very good for you. I mean, it's not like it's a healthier version of red meat necessarily, but you know, for people who are vegetarians who actually like meat, they just, for environmental reasons or ethical reasons, don't eat meat. It's like a good option. Yeah, it's it's still heavily processed, you're right, but oh my goodness, I had two meat substitute meals in the past couple of years, so I I have had um the the diesel and duke. I, oh. Hopefully they're making it, but their their impossible burger I thought was really good oh. from from several standpoints. One, the texture. Yeah. Of of it is that's for me, that was one of the hardest things for for um to replace yeah. the texture, and so that was really good. The flavor's good. Like it, it's definitely different, yeah. but it's still good. And to be fair, meat has a range of flavors depending right. on the type of cut. Yeah, exactly. Um, how much fat or yeah. how little and stuff. So that, so that's interesting. Yeah. And then I had, um, I went to a Phillies game last spring and I had the uh, cheesesteak that they sort of marketed. Oh yeah, that's like the Questlove cheesesteak. Exactly, Questlove was pushing it, and I don't, I forget which meat substitute it is. I forget if it's you know Impossible or Beyond, whichever one it is. But it was interesting because it's definitely soy based, and they did a really good job of like doing the, especially from the Philly cheesesteak standpoint. I always call them cheesesteaks here. <laughs> the like chopped piece that was like really right. good. The mouth feel was great. It was just really lacking in seasoning, oh. and so I don't know if that was just because it was the early days of that burger or that cheesesteak, rather. But um, that for me was the weakest part. Because yeah. I would think with the cheesesteak, because it has a lot of flavor, additional like additional flavoring to it, that they'd be able to mask it a lot better with that. But I guess right. Me. Yeah. So maybe it was that. But like I said, it was it was disappointing from the yeah you know, sort of it wasn't as savory or umami as meat often is. And I think you're right. You could probably replace that with proper seasoning. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I just had to ask because I was pretty impressed with it considering. You know, yeah. I actually I'm, I'm like you. I, I'm not ready to give up meat yeah. yet. You know, I'm, I'm willing to do things to be helpful, but I'm not willing to give it up. Yeah. But this was something that let's just say if meat was taken from us, yeah. I would say, well, you know, I miss it, but at least we have this, we have this alternative. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is pretty viable. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. You know, that I was, I was impressed as a, as a lover of burgers. I thought it was pretty good.
Well, if we ever run out of cows, I'll let you guys eat that and I'll eat bean burgers. <laughs> true friend right here. Well, thank you both for uh, spending a little bit of your afternoon with me. A little bit of a sunshiny quarantine day. We'll talk to you later, Brian. And that's the end of another episode of What's Eating You. Thanks again to Mary and Chris. Thanks as well to the Air Fryer Illuminati. I know you're listening. Take care, and we'll talk soon.